God, what an incredible truth to know that you love us right where we are, right here today. God, that as king of the universe, you choose to shower out that love on us. We don't even know how to respond. Thank you, God. Thanks for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. God, thanks that the reality of that is like an ocean we're sinking in. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Today has been an adventure. Um, we had we had a number of things that did not go as anticipated uh, for service, and trust that um, I uh, my sense is that there's some significant stuff at stake in in what's going on today, and um, so just you know what, just pray for a second. Pray with me. Um, God, speak to us today. Speak to me. Speak to each of us individually. Let us hear peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if, if uh, you're here for the first time, I just want to echo what Chris said. We're glad you're here. Um, we're going to have a chance to, to uh, sign the welcome books and uh, have a chance to give in just a little bit. Uh, Chris and I were talking this week and um, and talking about speaking and messages, and he said, you know, that you're going to do Sunday. What, what you typically do is you kind of do the Ruble update in the first few minutes of the message, and I thought, oh, you know what, I guess I have been doing that, and I won't do that forever, but I felt like um, it's a great chance for you guys to get to know me, get to know the family a little bit more, um, and uh, and so some cool things going on. This Last Sunday, I said that my dad was here. My dad has been here all week. My dad's 85. He'll turn 86 in December. And that's been really cool. Um, Deb left on Tuesday uh, for Missouri because my daughter's pregnant. She was scheduled to have a C-section on Friday. So uh, my dad and Micah and I have been hanging out at the house together and eating out a lot. And um, that has been a good thing. Um, I haven't really done the whole grandpa thing yet, but I do want to introduce you to Amos Burke Cameron. Uh, There he is. Um, Yeah. And I have to tell you, it is killing me to be here and not in uh, Joplin. Uh, My three of my daughters are in Joplin and um, so I was, I was talking to Deb on Friday. She sent the picture and, um, and details, eight pounds, eight ounces. Everybody's doing good. It was, you know, just good stuff. Friday night, I went to bed, and I'm laying in bed, 11, 11.30, somewhere in there. And you know how sometimes you just, uh, at the end of the day, you're kind of reflecting on the day. And I thought, man, you know, I haven't really prayed for them all that much and just had the sense, I have to pray. So I'm praying for Leah, praying for her protection and healing, uh, praying for Amos, going through the whole process, and just kind of went to sleep thinking about babies. I, I, I don't have this sound clip, but Charlie, my son-in-law, sent me a clip of him a few hours after he was born. Oh, oh, oh. 
doing the whole cooing thing, and it's like, oh, man, nope, my heart just straight stuck. So anyway, I, I talked to, uh, to them on, on Saturday morning, and she said, um, we need to call Charlie. Last night, Leah was hemorrhaging, and um, it was not at the, like, crisis stage, but it was, it was moving that direction very quickly. And um, so I called Charlie and kind of talked through stuff. And he said, you know, I thought it was too late for a call. I said, Charlie, call any time. But here's, here, here's part of why I tell the story. Interesting, interestingly, a, a coincidence, right? Um, the time that I was praying was right at the time that it was critical. Deb said the same thing, that God had prompted her that night to pray, not knowing what was going on. Charlie didn't call. Um, and... And I'm convinced that God, in the way that he works, brings things together. And, and I just want to encourage you. When God prompts to pray, pray. Because you don't know what's at stake. You just have the sense, oh, maybe I'm supposed to pray for somebody. And you start to pray for them. Do that. Because there's a reason that you're being prompted. If, you know, when you get that sense, maybe I should write a note or make a phone call to this person, that person. Do it because God has something in mind that's just that's pretty incredible. So don't don't miss out on that. Um, on Friday, I had a uh, I had a, a two hour conversation with Jag Gunn. Jag and Abby Gunn are missionaries um, to Papua New Guinea. Uh, there they are. Um, Abby is is from this area, and um, they they have been working with a tribe of people that don't have any copy of Scripture that don't have a written language, and they're in the process, they have been in the process of taking the gospel to a place that it's never been before, telling people about Jesus for the very first time. Um, Courtney, or Abby and Courtney Shantier are sisters. Many of you know Tim and Courtney Shantier that were here this summer. Tim spoke a number of times, and, um, and so that helps make a connection. Both of them were serving tribal groups of people that don't have the gospel in Papua New Guinea, but in two different um, areas. The area where the guns were was actually a place that was very volatile and very violent um, and, and really kind of hostile. Um, the tribal people that they were with um, had accepted them. They had really connected in that place as they learned language and culture. But the surrounding tribes um, were were violent in that area in terms of some stuff happened. I can, I can kind of fill you in more on that. Long story short, they experienced some, some really terrible things that threatened their physical well-being, that threatened their lives there. And um, with two little kids, there was a whole lot of trauma associated with that. Uh, they came back uh, to the U.S. in March as a result of that with the recommendations of, of the New Tribes uh, organization. And, uh, and Jag just called to kind of bring me up to speed and to tell me uh, that, that they're probably not going to go back to Papua New Guinea because of what they've experienced, the, the triggers there, that the stuff, the environment that they lived in um, that caused so much trauma, it's, it's not going to change. And so their sense is that God has something else in store for them, but they don't know what that is. And uh, what I told him was that we would spend some time this morning praying for them, praying for Jag and Abby and the girls, and um, pray that God would direct them well and that he would heal them well because they've, they've been through just a, a very difficult deal in terms of health and safety stuff. So let's, let's pray right now. Um, God, we, uh, we come to you 
on behalf of Doug and Abby. And um, God, for somebody that I didn't know much about, that my heart aches for what they've experienced, for their desire to serve you, their desire to reach that people group, and, and all of the struggle that comes with having a sense that they're not able to do that, that you've got something else in mind for them. Lord, I ask that you would heal them, that you would heal Doug, that you'll, you would heal Abby, that you would heal their girls. Be with their counselors, be with their medical um, personnel that are working with them, and, and God, restore life uh, um, in, in their four ways. God, we pray together collectively for the people that they've been trying to reach, for people who are still in the area working there, that you would protect them, and that the gospel would come through with power, and that years from now, even in eternity, that Doug and Abby would have a clear sense of the role that they played in them coming to Christ. Um, God, work in ways that we can't even fathom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, the uh, one last thing, my son this morning said, um, "Dad, you know what you call someone who fakes being a preacher?" And I said, "What?" He says, "An imposter." <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Steve. Um, just a thought there. Uh, on March ninth, two thousand nine, something crazy happened on a Sunday morning in Maryville, Illinois. First Baptist Church there, a, uh, a gunman came into the building not knowing anyone really in the church, took out his gun, and as Fred Winters, the, the, the pastor, was speaking that morning, shot and killed him. Um, think about that for a second. On a morning like this, if that were to happen, how you would respond. As a church, I, I think that, that the, there would be this sense of, God, what do, we, what do we make of that? For his wife and his kids, his wife was waiting to come to the second service and she was at home. His girls were actually serving in other parts of the building so they didn't witness it. But for a wife who's never going to have her husband come home again, to the guy to the gun in church in a safe place, a sanctuary, and ended his life, what do you do with that? I, I remember that story clearly because this clip I want to show I, I watched live late in that week this interview on CBS of Cindy Winters, Fred Winters' widow. Thank you. 
got a crazy story or what? Take out your Bibles if you would. Turn to Mark chapter 2. We're in a series called um, Like the Lake about Jesus and what he experienced. The lake's supposed to be a calm, peaceful place, a place where we can retreat. And yet sometimes at the lake, there are situations that you've got to kind of work through very difficult things. Let me start reading in verse 1 of Mark 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And Jesus was preaching the word to them. They came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus, perceiving in his heart that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk but that you may know that the Son of Man has on authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately and picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. There are so many things in this passage of Scripture I'd like to talk about. In the first verse where it talks about Jesus having a home in Capernaum. Think about that for a second. We don't usually think about Jesus having a home. We think about him being itinerant, heading all all over the countryside, you know, camping out, doing that kind of thing. Jesus had a home in Capernaum. He lived in a small town on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Um, It would be easy for me. I would love to talk about the faith of the paralytic's friends. His friends cared enough about him that they said, we want you to get well. Here's somebody who can help. They picked him up, took him. They busted through the, through the ceiling um, to, to get him down to Jesus so that he could be healed. I'd love to talk about that. Um, I would love to talk about the fact that Jesus healed this guy. Jesus' power to heal, um, to heal somebody who has been paralyzed all of his life. Because of the faith of his friends. Think about that for a second. It wasn't the faith of the paralytic that, that um, produced this healing by Jesus. It was the faith of his friends. There's a whole message in that. We're not going to go there. Um, I'd love to talk about Jesus' ability to read the minds of the scribes. For Jesus to have the discernment to know what was going on in them and to, and to call them out for that right there on the spot. I'd love to talk about Jesus power and ability to heal. There's a message in that that's incredible. But the thing I want to talk about this morning, it's, re- it's just really one idea. Jesus has the power to forgive anything. Let that s- 
spins through your mind, because I think that that produces really three questions for us. Jesus said, you know what, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say to a guy who's been paralyzed with a paralytic, get up and walk. Obviously, it's a lot easier to say your sins are forgiven than to heal someone who's paralyzed. But Jesus proved his ability to forgive anything by healing the paralytic. I think it raises three questions for us. Do you believe God can forgive anything? You know, we're in church, and so, you know, what's the church answer? Can God forgive anything? Oh, yeah, God can forgive anything. But I think if you're honest in your heart, all of a sudden your head starts to spin. You say, wait a second. Could God forgive? Could God have forgiven Hitler? Could God have forgiven Jeffrey Dahmer? Could God have forgiven the kid Lance that killed 20 kids in an elementary school, Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown, Connecticut? Does God really have the ability, the power, the desire to forgive anything? That's, that's a hard question for us because most of us agree with Carrie Underwood instead. We think that there are people that don't deserve to be forgiven. Hear the song? Most of us think that there are people that have done to, uh, stuff to us that we should get vengeance for. So we think, you know what, I want to take my key and uh, run it down the side of his car. I, I want to carve my name into his leather seat. There you go, here we go. I'll take a Louisville slugger to both headlights. You know, we, that's, that's what we want. We want vengeance. Slash a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he shoots. That's, that's our impulse, isn't it? We want vengeance. We don't want to forgive. There's stuff that when we've been hurt, we want to take it out on somebody. So the question is, do we really believe that God can forgive anything. And when we wrestle with that, and we think about what Jesus did, and intellectually, in our heart, we begin to say, you know what? Yeah, God can forgive anything, no matter what happened in my past. God can bring forgiveness into that situation. It raises a second question for us. And that second question is a hard one. Can I forgive myself for what I've done in the past? Most of us, when we think about our lives, when we think back about our lives, doesn't matter whether they're short or whether we've been around a long time, there, there are things that we can go back to that say, yeah, I, yeah, I know, I know God has forgiven me. But it's really, really difficult for me to let go of that. Can you forgive yourself? That's a question that for most of us, I think we just put on the shelf. We hold on to it because we think, is God really so good that he can forgive it? And if so, can I forgive myself? For some of us, our identity is wrapped up in that stuff that happened in the past. It's so impacted us that, 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 that we've missed 
the, the truth, the reality of the truth and the implications of it, that God has the ability to forgive us. Understand that when we choose not to forgive ourselves, in reality what we do is we place ourselves above God. We say, God, I know that you can forgive me, but I can't forgive me because I understand me better than you do. That's crazy. Think about that. When we refuse to forgive ourselves, we take the place of God. And that makes no sense at all. God is the one who created us, who knows us from deep within. And if God can forgive anything, we can forgive ourselves of stuff that's happened in the past, of the pain that we've experienced. Jesus asked, which is easier, to forgive sin or to heal a paralytic? And then he proved that forgiveness is available. Sometimes we don't think that, we're, that we deserve to be forgiven. And yet Jesus went to the cross so that we could experience that. The third question that I think comes up for us is this. If God has the ability to forgive anything, if we can forgive ourselves, can we forgive other people? There are all kinds of things in your life when you think about it that cause lots of pain. It may be the pain of em embarrassment. It may be that somebody at work took an idea that you had and, th and they wrote it down. They put their name on it. They drove it to the top. They got the promotion that came from your concept or your work. That hurts like crazy. It may be that somebody betrayed you in the past, that they, that they caused um, havoc and broken relationships in your life because of something they did. And it's just hard to let go of that. It may be that your relationship with your parents when you were little was horrible. Bad stuff happened to you and you can't let it go. It may be that somebody, that somebody that someone just burnt you in the past, maybe this week, and it's difficult to let go. One of the things that I read this week talked about, it, it helped bring some clarity to me. When, you know, when we choose to follow Jesus, when we allow God to have complete control of our lives, we begin to understand that it's not our offense to hold on to. It's an offense ultimately against God. God is the one who made us. So when someone betrays us, when someone hurts us, when someone wounds us deeply, that's a wound against God. And if God has the ability to forgive, so should we. Um, if you've got your Bibles, uh, flip over to Matthew 18, just, uh, just a uh, few pages back. And there's, a, there's a story that's uh, uh, an encounter that, there that's, that's just real powerful. Peter comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Think about that. When somebody in your life hurts you and it happens, over and over and over and over and over and over again. I think that was seven. Do we have the ability to forgive in each of those situations? We think if we, got, if we made it to seven, man, that, 
That's beyond anything that we can imagine. And yet Jesus says, not seven. Depending on the translation, either seven times 70 or 77. The point's this. We can't keep track. How do you keep track of offenses and get up to 77 or get up to 490? The point that Jesus makes is that you need to just forgive and forgive and forgive and release that rather than to hold on to it. Ephesians chapter 4, a verse of scripture I've quoted multiple times in the last several weeks, says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. If it's true that Jesus has forgiven you of everything, you've got to have the ability. We're, We're compelled to forgive those around us. This message, I think, is so critical because so many of us carry the burdens of hurts and wounds, of past things that have happened, stupid things that we did, stupid things that others have done to us that have wrecked our lives, that have set it on a different path, and we hold on to that and can't release it. The challenge for us today is to understand that God can forgive anything that we've done. And his response to that, that leads us to the place that we can forgive those people around us. That that's indeed a natural kind of response that comes to us. In 1997, Charlie and Marie Roberts had a little baby girl that lived about 20 minutes before she died. Their grief was overwhelming. And Charlie Roberts never forgave Charlie. In a note to his family, Roberts confessed to molesting two family members about 20 years earlier. Charlie Roberts never forgave himself. You may not know the name of Charlie Roberts or Marie Roberts, but you know the story. Take a look on screen. Go ahead and stop stop there, Jason. Thanks. He said, forgiveness is powerful. You know that story. The horror of that. And yet the reason that we know that story, that that when we think about that now, what do we think of? We think of the response of the Amish people to his mom and his dad and to his wife. 
that day, they began to surround them with mercy and grace and forgiveness. That night, an Amish man took Charlie Roberts' dad in his arms, and Charlie Roberts' dad sobbed with grief for an hour in the arms of an Amish guy. They embraced his wife, Marie, and their children. Charlie Roberts' mom and dad, uh, his mom continues to go and to take care of one of the girls that her son shot. That message of forgiveness, that picture of forgiveness is incredible. The question this morning is this. Can God forgive anything? What do you really think about that? Can God forgive anything? If the answer is yes, the implications of that are huge. They change the way that we live. They change the way that we see the world. God can forgive anything because Jesus proved it when he healed the paralytic. He lived it out. So the second question is, can you forgive yourself? You know what? If God can forgive anything, you can forgive yourself of whatever's happened in your past. And the third question is, can you forgive others? That's the challenge. Not just once or twice, but over and over and over again. We're going to end today's service with the Lord's Supper, with communion. Communion for us is a reminder that Jesus was tortured and executed so that we could experience forgiveness. God, in explaining his nature to the Jews in the Old Testament, said, hey, here's the deal. If sin is going to be forgiven, it will only come when, when blood is shed, when blood is spilled out for others, and only when blood comes as a result of a perfect sacrifice. Jesus was sacrificed so that we could be forgiven. We're going to pass trays in just a minute that have two items. They have bread that remind us that Jesus' body was broken and juice that reminds us that Jesus' blood was shed. If you're a follower of Jesus, take those two elements, those two symbols this morning. And here's what I want you to, to think about in our time of communion. The absolute wonder that God forgives when you've chosen to allow Jesus to come in and live in your life, he has the ability to forgive everything and to change us from the inside out. He has the ability to help us forgive ourselves. He has the ability to help us forgive others. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've not made that commitment, if you've not been living it, know that it's okay to pass the trays on by, to just in the quietness talk to God, and ask the question, God, could this really be true? Is it really true that I could be forgiven of that stuff that happened 15, 20 years ago? Of that stuff that happened last week, of the hurt that I caused others? Talk to him. If you want to come down front and pray, um, I'm going to read scripture in just a second. Why don't you guys go ahead and come forward and, and um, begin to, to distribute the, the items. 
there's going to be a little bit of time of quiet. And the band's going to begin to sing. And I want to just invite you and encourage you. If you want to bring your communion down front and, and share in it down here, do that. If you want to come down and pray, do that. If you want to stay where you are, that's cool. Understand that forgiveness is real and it's not based on anything that we've done. Only because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice. Matthew describes the last meal that he that Jesus ate with his disciples before his death with these words. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins.